Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Are you in the book of Jude? We're studying the uh, book of Jude, this, uh, this one little chapter, if you will, uh, these 25 verses. Uh, we're looking in this, this little epistle. Oftentimes it's been referred to as the vestibule to the book of Revelation. Uh, it's just a great little book, uh, and, I, and I love the direction that Jude was writing here, and we're going to uh, try to unpack this just a little bit and try to continue through here this evening. Jude verse 1, it says, Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are, now pay attention to this, to those who are called, loved by God the Father, kept by Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Dear friends, although I was eager to write you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write and exhort that word exhort is like a military term. It's, it's used as a uh, kind of the word picture. is like a general that's speaking to his army and he's giving out the orders. And that's really the, the intensity of this word here. I found it necessary to write. And I often th- thought, Jude, why did you find it necessary? And I believe that even the apostates and the false teaching had corrupted the church even in his day. Uh, he wanted to write about this common salvation. He wanted, to, he wanted his writing, his epistle, his book to be very uplifting. He wanted to be very encouraging. He wanted to be happy. He wanted to be a shouting hallelujah glory time. This is all we have in common in our salvation and Jesus Christ. And, but then as he looked around in the church, he said, I found it necessary to write and exhort you to contend for the faith. That was delivered to the saints once for all. For some men who were designated for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth. and They are ungodly and they are turning the grace of our God into promiscuity and denying Jesus Christ, our only master and Lord. I'm going to stop there. I want to go back up, if you will, in verse number one and share with you. And, and this is what I've been preaching on the last several weeks about these four reasons that that we don't have to live in fear, and I even believe it even applies to our day and age, but within the context of the Scripture, whenever you think about the false prophets that are, that are sneaking into the church, sometimes that can be fearful. And as I've shared with you before in this introduction that I preached two times uh, for the book of Jude, one of the things that's a greatest threat to the church is not really the occults that are outside the church. The greatest threat to the church are individuals that are handling the Word of God within the church. Now, whenever I'm talking about within the church, I'm not talking about within the doors of Victory Church, however it may apply there. I'm more talking about the universal church, the full body of Christ and and, and Christianity and those that are living by the fundamentals of the faith that are trusted in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. That's kind of the church that I'm talking about. And the greatest threat to that church 
are the false prophets and the false teachers that are within the church and they're, they're spreading their, um, their, their spiritual poison, if you will. And it's a, it's a huge detriment to the church. But I don't think it's anything new. I think there were false prophets. Peter wrote about uh, false prophets and false teachings that would arise within the church. Uh, and Jude is certainly now echoing that. I believe maybe possibly Peter prophesied of that. And, and Jude is saying, hey, it's come. It, it's here. I wanted to write about this wonderful salvation, this common salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. But, but I found it necessary to write and exhort you, encourage you to contend for the faith. So whenever we think about the church and, and the false teachings within the church, sometimes that can be a little bit fearful, a little uneasy for us. And, and I believe Jude addressed that at the very beginning. And he gave us four reasons why we don't have to live in this, this state of fearfulness with the teaching within the church. And he, he unpacks that for us or tells us about it in verse number one. He said, to those who are called. Uh, one of the reasons we don't have to live in fear as a child of God because we know we've been called by God. And this call is not, not I, I shared this with you in one of my messages. This, this calling here, I'm not talking about the universal calling. I'm talking about that personal calling. I'm talking about that time when God personally spoke to your heart. And Jude is reminding us of that. Hey, there's a God who knows you and he has spoken to you and he has called you. And we don't have to live in fear because of that, that calling. The second reason we don't have to live in fear is because we've been loved by God the Father. And I think it's important that, that we don't jump over that too quick. A lot of times we think, yeah, we know God's love. He, he did this, he did that, and we kind of move on. But I want you to stop and think about how much God loves you. And, and, and oftentimes in, in my dealing with individuals on a personal one-on-one level, if you will, or counseling or, or mentoring or what have you, there are some people that try to live their life in a way that, that they could gain God's love. I want you to understand there's nothing you can do to cause God to love you any more, and there's nothing you can do to cause God to love you any less. He loves you, right? And I think we need to understand that. If we can really understand how much He loves us, and the good news is that He loves us. The greatest news is He always will. I mean, He has that unconditional love for us. There's nothing that you can ever do to cause Him to love you any more than He already does. And I guess the flip side of that, and I've already said it, there's nothing you can do to, to cause him to love you any less. Man, I'm very thankful for that, aren't you? Aren't you? I mean, with my shortcomings, I'm thankful that, that there's nothing that I could do that would cause him to love me any less. Now, because he loves me so much, his judgment falls on me, and his, his uh, correction falls on me, and and his bringing me back like a shepherd that loves his sheep, and he has a sheep that's wandering, will go out there and break the leg of that sheep with his, with his rod. He'll literally hit the leg of the sheep and break it so it can't wander, but then he'll pick up that sheep and he'll put it around his shoulders, and he'll carry that sheep until his leg is, is healed. And that's kind of what God does for us, and he does that because he loves us, and, and I've spoken to that already, so I won't take up much more time on that. He's called us. We're called by God. We are loved by God the Father. The third thing, we're kept by Jesus Christ. And man, I love that. I love the fact that, that I know that, that I'm in the hand of our God. And we spoke about that um, Wednesday a week ago. And we talked about how we are kept by Jesus Christ. And I believe the fourth reason why we don't have to live in fear, and it's what we had on the screen just a moment ago, is that we are blessed. Whenever you really stop and think about the blessings of God that are bestowed upon us as believers in Jesus Christ. Now, I want us to look, if you will, and we're going to turn to a lot of different scripture here and, and really start meandering through the word. Uh, but look at verse number two. Look what Jude says. 
He says, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Think about that. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Guys, do you realize that the salvation that God brings to his children is packed with spiritual blessings? I mean, it's more than just a fire escape from hell. Now, thank God it is a fire escape from hell, but, but our salvation in Jesus Christ is so much more than that. He pours spiritual blessings on us. Oftentimes, we take those blessings and we receive them and we're not even aware where they're coming from, right? Because we get so accustomed to God's blessings on our life. Or sometimes we may think that we, we may rise up with pride or a, a, an egotistical spirit or a, or a self-righteous spirit and think, well, I deserve this. Look what I've done. You know, I've, I've lived right. I study. I pray. I seek God. And I deserve these. But listen, we don't deserve anything, right? Are you with me, guys? These, these blessings are being, being bestowed upon us, being poured out on us, being given to us. By God. And, and Jude makes us aware of what these blessings are. Look what he first of all says. He says, says, may mercy and peace be given to you, be multiplied to you. That, that phrase, be multiplied to you, means may it be ever increasing in you. Man, we, we need God's mercy to be ever increasing in us. We need God's peace to be ever increasing in us, right? By the way, you, you guys do understand what the difference between mercy and grace is, right? You know, grace is God giving us what we do not deserve, right? That's grace. When God gives us things we do not deserve. Do you know what mercy is? Mercy is God, God not giving us what we do deserve, right? That's the difference there. And here we see that God is, God is giving us these wonderful blessings because we're in Christ Jesus. He is being merciful to us. In other words, He is not giving us what we deserve because every single one of us at the end of the, end of the day deserve what? We deserve hell, right? And there's not one of us that can stand before God and say that I deserve to go to heaven. Look at my life. Look what I have accomplished. Look what I have done. Look at my career. Look at my bank account. Look at the car that I drive. By the way... We were over in St. Louis last weekend. Oh, my goodness, some beautiful rides over there. And as I saw some of those Bentleys and those Maseratis and all those cars, I'm like, holy smoke. People really drive these things? I mean, they're more than my house. Right? Beautiful cars. But you know what? You can have the nicest Bentley in the world. You can drive and you can have the best job in the world. You can have all kind of cash flowing in and out. And that doesn't merit you to stand before God and say, I deserve this. I've worked really hard. Look what I have, I have obtained. And by the way, we certainly know because we, we, we go to Victory Church and we know that every year we have a stewardship sermon or a series and we talk about how we really don't own anything. There's four words we use. God what? God owns it all, right? I mean, every, anything we do have has been because of God's blessing on us. But my point is there's nothing within us that makes us where we can stand before God and say, I deserve this. no. We all deserve, really, to die and go to a devil's hell. But because of God's love for us, and because of his blessings that he pours out on us, and the mercy that he gives us, now we can, because of him not giving us what we do deserve, we can stand before him now clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and all of his righteousness now is imputed upon us as believers. And now we stand before God, and I can stand there humbly and say, God, I don't deserve to come into your heaven 
But I have trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And I'm very thankful that you are a merciful God and a gracious God. And you have clothed me in the righteousness of Christ Jesus on the merit of what you have done for me and the fact that you love me and you have called me by name and your son is willing to die for me and I have trusted him as my Savior by the, in the name of Jesus and by the blood of, that was shed on Calvary. I'll, I'll, I'll put that up there and say, can I come in on that? And he'll say, enter into the joys of the Lord. Amen? Aren't you glad of that? There's nothing that we deserve. So these are some of the blessings, the the mercy that's there. But look what he also says. He says, peace. May mercy and peace be multiplied to you. Now, I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture with me, if you will. I want you to go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Just kind of take your Bible, start thumbing through the pages. I'm going to wait on you to get there. Uh, look on, punch the buttons on your phone, get there quickly, on your iPad, get there as quick as you can. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, I want you to look at verse number 13. And we're talking a little bit about the peace of our God. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 13. I was thinking, that doesn't look right. I mean Ephesians 3. Ephesians 2. Listen to myself. Ephesians 2 and verse number 13. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of the Messiah. In verse 14, For he is our, what? Peace. Our peace is found, and the way that we have peace is through the blood of of the Messiah through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ we were one time far away but we've been grafted in now because of the blood of Christ that was shed and now it says in verse number 14 that he is our peace I want you to turn again to or back if you will a few more pages and go to the book of Romans Romans chapter 15 Romans chapter 15 and I want you to look at verse number 13 Romans chapter 15, and look at verse number 13. It says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you what? As you believe in him. You see, there's a world today that's looking for peace, right? I mean, there are people today that are searching for peace. And I just shared with you, how do we get peace? We get peace through the blood of Christ that was shed for us. We were far away. We've been grafted in because we trust Christ as our Savior. And the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us of all sin has brought us in. And now He is our peace. And then in Romans uh, 15 and 13, it says that we have this peace as you believe in Him. Right? Our peace comes from Christ. I mean, you certainly look around in our world today and you look at our culture today and you look at, I mean, for heaven's sakes, what broke on the news last Sunday evening about the, the, the what do you call it, the, the, not kidnapping, but the um, burglary that took place in the church with a gunman that came in. I mean, that's enough. Just listening to the news is enough to rob you of your peace. But guys, we don't get our peace there. We live in a troubled world. We live in a fallen world, right? We, we don't get our peace from the things around us. We get our peace because of the blood of Christ. We get our peace because, Romans 15 and 13, because we believe in Him. So that's where we're going to find our peace. And back in Jude, Jude wrote, and he said, May mercy and peace be multiplied to you. Well, what is peace? 
I guess maybe the easiest way, if you could even describe peace with just a a small sentence, I'm guessing that peace is going to be described as the absence of fear. Right? Just this this peacefulness about you. Well, what brings about the absence of fear? Knowing that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior. You know, you remember when Paul said, he said, I'm I'm in a twixt between two to to die and go on and be with Christ, which is far better, or to stay here and do ministry. Guys, you realize at the end of the day, let's just say, God forbid it ever happens. God forbid it ever happens. Let's say somebody does walk in that door and I'm the first one they see him. Bam, and I lay right here and I'm gone. You know what? I'm still at peace. Matter of fact, I'm in a far better, what a tragedy, but what a far better place. Right? We're not going to find peace in this world. Is my point I'm trying to get you to see. Our peace is in Jesus Christ. Our peace is knowing that we have him. We've been bought by his blood. We've been purchased at a cost. He has redeemed us in Romans 15, 13. As we believe in him, then I believe we have the peace that passes all understanding because we're trusting, trusting in God. So that was a common Jewish phrase, right? I mean, you read many of the, the epistles, and you'll see that many of them opened up with the phrase, may peace and may mercy and peace be multiplied to you, may mercy and peace be multiplied to you. You read that in 1 Timothy. By the way, just, let's just turn back there so you can just see it. And there's several other passages of Scripture where you'll see this. 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is writing to Timothy. This is a common Jewish custom that they would say, may, may mercy and peace and grace be multiplied to you. May you increase in that. And it was kind of like us saying, God bless you. Have a great day. I'm praying for you. you know, that's kind of how it was in this day. So it was a common phrase, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 2. To Timothy, my son in the faith. This is Paul writing. Look what he says. Grace, mercy, and peace. From God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Look how he started 2 Timothy. Flip over a few pages. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse number 2. Paul's writing to Timothy. My dearly beloved or my dearly loved son. Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and, and, and Christ Jesus our Lord. So I just want you to see. And you can, you can find it in all the epistles. It's, common, it's a common opening phrase. So it really isn't any, nothing unusual for Jude to use that phrase. However... I want you to see that Jude added something to that phrase. Not only did he, go back in Jude, verse number 2, may, may mercy and peace and what? Love be multiplied to you. May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Here, here's what I want you to remember about that little phrase. That's the only time you'll find that combination in the entire New Testament. Jude wrote it. Do you think he wants us to remember that, yes, we do have God's grace. Yes, we do have his mercy. Yes, we do have his peace. But once again, he is reiterating to us that God loves us. Why is that? Because you know what? Sometimes living a Christian life in the midst of tremendous adversity, sometimes living a Christian life when it seems like nobody else is, sometimes trying to stand for the truth of the gospel when no one else does, Sometimes really caring for the clarity of the scripture, of the word of God, and contending for the faith when everybody else says, who cares? I'm happy. Sometimes that can be a lonely place. Are you with me, church? I mean, if, if you've ever contended for the faith, you know that can be a lonely place. You, you don't really win a whole lot of friends and influence a whole lot of people, as Dale Carnegie would write. When you contend for the faith, 
that was once offered up for the saints. Guys, when you contend for the truth of the gospel, Jude is aware that you're going to have to be reminded that God loves you. He reminded us that twice. God loves you. God loves you. Look at the latter part of verse 1. To those who are called and what? Loved by God the Father. And then he carried his, tra- his traditional, if you will, Jewish greeting in verse number 2 when he says, May mercy and peace. And then he added, once again, love be multiplied to you. I think Jude is, is, is knowing that we're going to get in a spot where we need to remember when everybody else turns on you, there's a God in heaven that says, I love you. You contend for the faith. You stay true to me. You ever experienced that? You ever experienced being maybe the only one that sees the truth in the scripture and being willing to stand and everybody else seems like they don't care and, and you'd be the outcast? Or maybe you'd be the, the one that everyone slams their criticism towards or their judgment towards or alienates you for whatever reason? I think that's some of the persecution that we face even in our day. And I believe Jude faced it in his day. And I believe he just wanted to remind us. And I just want to camp out there for a moment because I think it's that important that we remember that God loves us. You know, sometimes at the end of the day, and I'm not, listen guys, I'm just not. I'm just not a big dog lover. I'm just not. I mean, I'm just not. I'm sorry if you got dogs. I got a dog. I'm just not a big dog lover. I mean, I just, I'm just not. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't like one sitting in my lap. If I'm on the recliner, I don't want a dog on me. I'm just not. But here's one thing I know. When I've had a tough day, Maybe I've sat through all types of ordeal and counseling and dealing with problems and people upset and angry with me. I know when I go home, when I push that garage door opener, and when I go to that door, there's a dog on the other side of that door. That I don't know why he does. But he loves me. He does. And I know I should love him, and I guess I do, but... I mean, I'll check his bowl, I'll put water in it, I'll put food in it, make sure he has something to eat and drink, and then go over there and lay down. (laughs) Sometimes isn't it comforting to know that there's somebody that loves you, regardless? Jake, don't you love that about Kristen? You know at the end of the day she loves you. (laughs) I mean, truly, right. Think about our spouses. You know, I can go home and and I can talk to my wife and I can share things with her that I can't share with everybody else. I know, I know, because we've been through enough together. I know she loves me, and I don't know why. (laughs) But I know she does. But what great comfort we find there, right? I think Jude is wanting us to express that and feel that and be aware of that with our God. Because I promise you guys, in the weeks to come, As we study this small little book, what is it, 25 verses, you better get your seatbelt on. You better buckle up. This is not going to be a cruise down the interstate or or a cruise down the back roads with the sunroof open or the top down and just kind of enjoying the ride. This is a bumpy, treacherous, 
exposing little book. And, and, and it can rock your world. And, and when you start doing what Judas commanded us to do, to contend for the faith, you may just find yourself in a very isolated position. And you're wondering, where are all my friends? I believe Jude wants you to remember there's a God in heaven who loves you. Right? As you are contending for the faith, don't forget he loves you. Only place in the New Testament where you'll find this phrase, this combination of words, numerous times you'll find grace, mercy, and peace, grace, mercy, and peace, grace, mercy, and peace. I give you two examples with Paul, with Timothy. You can find it in many other epistles. The only time in Scripture you'll find this combination of phrase, these words, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Can I, can I, will you allow me to go over to Ephesians? Turn, turn with me, if you will, over to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. And, and we're just kind of slowing down here. We're, I hope that's okay. Uh, you know, let's just, let's just kind of slow down. Let's kind of run some references and let's kind of see what the scripture says. And, you know, I, I love doing this kind of stuff. In, in Romans, or not Romans, Ephesians 3. Let's look at, let's, let's look at verse 14. And by the way, if, if you pray, which I hope we all do, I'd love for you to pray this prayer for me. What a, what a great prayer. Paul is praying here. For this reason, I kneel before the Father in verse 14, Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason, now get a hold of this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And then he's going to share with us what he's praying for. In verse number 16, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in the inner man through his spirit. Now, what's the first thing he's praying for? He's praying that we'd what? Come on, talk. Talk to him in church. I pray. Look at verse, verse number 16. The answer is found in verse number 16. He said, this is what I'm praying for. I pray that he may grant you according to his riches of glory, or riches of his glory, to what? To be strengthened with power in the inner man through the spirit. Now, Paul is praying this. I'm praying that you will receive strength from God through your spirit, and we need to be praying that for one, one for another. I hope you pray that for me on a daily basis. Verse 17. And that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I'm praying that I'm praying you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. That the Messiah, that Jesus Christ, through the person of uh, the third person of the Trinity, the Godhead, which is the Holy Spirit, that he may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then he says, I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of God's love. And to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge so you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. You see what Paul is praying? He said, guys, if you could just get a glimpse... If you could just come to the place where you could understand, understand what, the, what the height, what the depth, what the, what the breadth of God's love is for you. If you could just understand that. And guys, you know what? I think for us, if we could just understand that. And I think that's what Jude's wanting us to see. Remember, God loves you. 
And, and Paul is saying, may you understand and, and may you know the Messiah's love, that it surpasses knowledge so you may be filled with the fullness of God. May you understand his love. Wow. That's a great passage, and I don't have time to unpack that much more. Go over to Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 5. It's really back to the book of Jude, and it's probably on the opposite page of your Bible. But look in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number, verse number, verse number 4. Actually, there's the phrase again, grace and peace. You see it in verse 4? John, to the seven churches in Asia, grace and peace to you. There's the, there's the common Jewish greeting, but we find that Jude added... Something else to the common Jewish greeting. What did he add? Love. Remember God's love for you. And he, he just spoke about that twice in the opening letter. Right? We're loved by God. Now remember, once again, grace, mercy, peace to you. Love. God loves you. But look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. John, the revelator, is writing, inspired of the Holy Spirit, the latter part of verse number 5. To him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood. Once again, John is making us aware. Guys, it, and I know I'm camping out here a little bit on this one word, but it's so profound. And if we could really get to the place where I guess, and I guess maybe here's the place we need to try to get to. We get to the place where we could quit trying to live our life in a way that we could gain God's love or merit his love. Listen, there's nothing you can ever do to cause God to love you anymore. So quit trying. Does that mean I can go live heaven? No, because you love him, you're going to want to live holy. You're going to want to live righteous. You want to live for him, right? But understand that he loves you. And I think once again, John in Revelation 1, Paul in Ephesians, Jude in the book of Jude, is wanting us to get a, an understanding here of God's love for us. Back in Jude, verse number 2. And I know I'm jumping around everywhere, but that's kind of how I study. I go there and go run something. I go there and go run something. I go there and go run something. But I think it's good stuff when we can use... By the way, the best commentary on the Bible is what? The Bible. You know, give me more chapter and verse. Unpack this thing. Dig a little bit deeper, right? Look what he says. May mercy, peace, and love. By the way, that's the... Once again, I want you to know this. I want you to leave here with gaining some understanding of Scripture. It's the only time it's found in Scripture, this combination of words, right? I've said that enough. You should know that. There's your good takeaway. Man, that's the only time. Matter of fact, whenever you study the, the Bible, one of, the, one of the, the rules of hermeneutics, which is rightly dividing the word, is the law of first mention. So anytime there's, a, there's something that's first mentioned, you need to pay attention to it and go and unpack it a little bit more. Well, here is, if you will, a phrase of first mention. It's the only, matter of fact, it's the only time mentioned. So I believe it has some tremendous significance, importance. If it's the only time mentioned in the inspired word of God, I think God wanted Jude to write to the believers that were, that were fighting against these apostates and this false doctrine. Tell them once again, Jude, that I love them. Right? Okay, I think I've driven that home enough. May, may mercy, peace, and love be what? Be multiplied to you. That means to be ever-increasing in your life. What a prayer. Man, just think of if I could continue to be increasing in, in the grace and the mercy and the peace and in the love of God. And Judah's writing, may it ever be increasing in your life. What a blessing it is to be able to know that no matter how difficult the situation, no matter how difficult the spiritual battle, battle might be, 
there is a God in heaven that is multiplying grace and peace and love in your life. And he's revealing that over and over and over again. So I guess the fact that we're blessed is enough for us to overcome some of the anxieties of an apostate culture of false teaching and false doctrine within the church, right? Because four reasons, we're called, we're loved, we're kept, and we're blessed. But just let me say this, and in closing, because I'm not going to have time to even go any further, I don't want to start another topic, I'm not going to be able to do it justice. So we'll stop here and get in verse number three next week. Because of these spiritual blessings, because of the fact that we're called, we're loved, we're kept, and we're blessed with, with mercy and peace and love, and it, it's ever multiplying in our life, because of these wonderful spiritual blessings, it only stands to reason that there are great responsibilities as us, as believers, that must follow. Did I have that on the slide? Praise the Lord. Being his child includes infinite privilege and spiritual blessing. However, with those blessings comes great responsibility. That's where I want to pick up next week in verse number three. Why should we contend for the faith? Because we're blessed. Right? If you remember... If you, if you study the, especially the New Testament, especially the book of Galatians, you know that the Galatian churches were struggling with false teaching that was creeping into that church. If you remember, Paul wrote to them, and he said, if and I'll unpack this more next week. I, I'm just going to give you an intro to it. Paul wrote to them, and he said, if there's anybody else that comes in with another gospel, which in paraphrase he says, there is not another, let them be accursed. It's a Greek word, anathema. Let them be destroyed. Let them be outcast. Because he says there is no other gospel. There's only one true gospel. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And guys, if you preach or teach or receive any other gospel than that, Paul wrote to the Galatians and said, let that individual be cursed. We are called because we have been blessed, because we've been purchased by the blood. Romans 15, 13, we believe in Christ. We've been blessed by God. His grace, His peace, His mercy, His love is being multiplied in our life. These are common blessings that we get from God. With that come great responsibility and we cannot stand and allow other gospels, which Paul says are not other gospels, but other teachings or doctrine infiltrate the church. We've got to stand. Now, I realize that, I realize you don't draw huge crowds by contending for the faith. Crowds like the mega churches a lot of times draw in our day, in our culture. But on the other hand, I think, you know what? I believe you can. I believe you can still build a church preaching the un unadulterated doctrine of the Word of God. I believe there are people that are hungry to hear what saith the Lord because so many have not heard. 
especially in this postmodern world that we live in today, there are generations of young adults that are raised that don't even know the truth of Scripture. That hopefully, and some I believe are hungry for the truth of the Word. You see, there are young adults now that are in churches that, that kind of were brought up, if you will, in the, in the, um, the seeker-sensitive type movement where you didn't want to say anything to offend anybody, being politically correct in the church, we don't want anybody to feel offended, which I think you got to be careful how you present the word. I mean, you can have the truth of the word presented in a horrible way that nobody will receive it. So I think you got to be careful in the way you present it. But I, I don't think you can commit adultery with the truth of the word. you got to stand on the truth of the word. But I think we're living in a culture today where we have a lot of young adults that are raised in churches where everything's soft, everything's easy. Everything's happy. Everything's just about me. And, we, and it really, if you listen, I don't know how many of you listen with the intent of trying to find the flaws with the other gospels that are being preached, which Paul said, and I always want to reiterate this, is not another gospel. There's only one gospel. What is the one gospel? It's, it's the virgin birth of Christ. It's the sinless life of Christ. It's the, it's the sinfulness of man, right? It, it's, it's Jesus dying on the cross. It's him being buried in the grave, the resurrection after three days, the second coming, the ascension of Christ to, to God the Father, the, the second coming of the Lord Jesus. That's the gospel. But there are those that are preaching this prosperity gospel of how really life is all about you being happy now. You don't find that kind of stuff in God's word, right? Yeah, we can have peace, but we're going to have peace in the midst of anxiety. We're going to have peace in the midst of fear. We're going to have peace in the midst of persecution. Are you with me, guys? That's the gospel. And there's a whole generation of young adults that never really heard that. I want to be a preacher that in love is going to stand and proclaim the truth of the word of God. Right? I don't want to draw, draw a crowd and compromise the teaching and the preaching of the word of God. I, I want to be in Jude's camp. I want to contend for the faith. I want to contend for the gospel of Christ. And I hope you'll join me in that journey. Because as Jude already pointed out, sometimes it can get lonely there. Let's all get lonely together. Let's camp out together. Okay? All right, I'm going to stop right there. I'm, I'm going to jump in verse number three next week. And you'll be studying this week and kind of run some references and get your study Bibles out and get your concordances out and your commentaries out and, and just kind of start digging around in, in Jude 3 and this contending for the faith and, and see, what, see what that looks like. And then he'll go through and he's, then he's going to go back and, and just give some examples in Scripture and, and we're going to go and start unpacking those. But we'll be in verse 3 next week. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you, God, for your word. And Lord, I just pray that you would just continue to open up our hearts and our minds to your word and that you would illuminate our mind and give us understanding of your scripture and help us to know that we are called, we are called to contend for the faith. We are called, as Paul told Timothy, 
to take a stand and rise up with the truth and the doctrine of the word of God that's been instilled in him as a young boy to not to compromise that and help us to be a body of believers that, yeah, we want, we want multitudes to come and hear the word of God. But help us to be a body of believers that just will decide together that we are not going to manipulate or compromise the word of God to draw a crowd. We're going to preach your word. We're going to live your word. We're going to teach your word. We're going to worship around your word. Help us to be a body of believers that do that. Help us, God, to contend for, for the faith, the faith, the fundamentals of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.